welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice to proven bowhunting tactics and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Bird. Alright, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. As always, uh, we're thrilled that you've taken some time to be with us today for yet another spectacular episode. And if I sound a little high energy today, it's not just because I'm always high energy, it's because I'm all hopped up on caffeine. Because I've got a show today that is like totally amped up. I've got Mr. Paul Kurtz from Hunter's Blend Coffee. This is a company that is taking the fuel that we all ingest every day at 4 a.m. while we're getting ready to go out into our stand and is actually developed a line of coffee for hunters specifically using the profits to both support our heritage and our way of life and help the folks that grow the coffee. So what an awesome concept. Paul, thank you so much for being with me here on Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. Hey, Christian, it's an honor to be with you. Look forward to this discussion together. Well, listen, let's just throw it right back to you um, just by saying this, okay? I drink a lot of coffee. Um, I know pretty much every hunter that I know drinks a lot of coffee. And I think that right before we started the show, you said something to the effect of, you know, coffee, you know, fuels the hunting world or makes the hunting world go around. I know a lot of people who would certainly agree with that. Um, I know uh, Vicky Cianciarulo pretty much posts a coffee meme on her Facebook page yes. every day. <laughs> yes. yes, indeed. Yes. So, so there are many, talk to her. many of us in the hunting world who can't live without coffee and maybe a bit of a, I mean, people People might be thinking that's kind of an oddball topic for Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We're t- today we're talking about coffee. Uh, I hope everyone listening drinks coffee, but it's actually, I think, as you're going to learn as Paul starts to talk about all this, it's really like right in the sweet spot of, of who we are as bowhunters. So, Paul, tell me a little bit about Hunter's Blend Coffee. Where did this come from and what's it all about? Well, it's really uh, a merging of a couple of my loves, of my passions. Uh, Back in 2002, my wife and I started a coffee importing company, and we were just going to import green coffee from growers in Central America and East Africa and Southeast Asia. Uh, These were places that in a previous life, you might say in the 1980s and 90s, I was a uh, mission director. I was traveling to these places, working for a, a church organization, and, and we gave handouts, quite literally. We, we funded water projects and agricultural projects and literature printing and seminaries and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I would, I would fly into Managua, Nicaragua, and pastors would line up with their solicitudes or their requests for us to fund. And I felt like a candy man. I mean, I felt like a Santa Claus. And I began to see that really handouts are like cocaine. I mean, it's only as good as to the next fix. And what was needed was real business and real sustainable um, yeah, a business model to the crisis, to the poverty, to the joblessness, joblessness, yeah. So I began studying coffee. I loved coffee. I mean, I would... And uh, even before, uh, I mean, just, I think I was five, six years old. My grandma would make coffee so weak, but I loved it. And it was just a crazy thing. And I grew up hunting, but I started finding myself when I'm in East, East Africa, a place like Ethiopia and Kenya and Tanzania and in Central America, places like Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, they're, they're I have wonderful friends in all these places and they're coffee growers and they're poorer than church mice. I mean, they have, they don't have two pennies to rub together. And I began to ask why, why am I paying $15 a pound at Starbucks and you are asking me for money? Uh, You know, it's like, and you're, 
I kind of knew the answer. I just wanted them to articulate it. And I began to hear stories of year after year after year producing coffee, which is traded on New York Board of Trade as a commodity, producing coffee for less than it costs to make it. And I began putting that into our world here in the U.S. How would farmers like that? How would how would you like to have a business that no matter how hard you work, somebody else is setting the price for what they're going to pay for it? You have to sell it. You can't eat it. You can't consume it for your own good. It's totally an export product. And you're you're going backwards every year. And I, you know, I would ask guys, well, how do you do that? I mean, after three years of loss, and they said, well, you just go to the bank and you hope for a better a better next year, and it never comes. So I began working on a business model that would buy coffee from farmers, and these were people I trusted, like my brothers and sisters literally family uh, because when you're sending $150,000 down for something that's not in your hand yet, you better trust them. Um, I began designing some model of direct trade rather than going through buyers who buy from buyers and, and most coffee from say a Central American country from the farmer is sold six or seven times before it ever hits the broker in the U.S. to sell it to a roaster. And everybody wants a little piece of it. So by going directly to the farmer and paying them many times, twice to three times what they've ever seen before, I could get coffee up here. I might have a semi-truck load of it, but it still was cheaper or at least the same price to the roaster as what coffee that just really ripped everybody off in the process was being sold for up here. And, and so I, and so this was, yeah, so, this was the start of your, your company yeah, hemisphere, I, hemisphere coffee. Exactly. Roaster. Exactly. So, so I say all that to say in 2002, we began importing and we started roasting and build a company uh, we do about three to four thousand pounds a week we're not huge we're kind of a regional roaster but that's kind of what pays you know what was paying my bills and and keeping the lights on here but i also loved hunting and maybe a, a little other background and i'm not sure i i think no, absolutely. Because I, 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 I actually meant yeah. to mention, Paul, uh, you're in Ohio. You're in the heart of yeah. white yeah. country. I mean, big bucks. Are, yes, we are. are. Your thing. Yeah. Right? Well, they are. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I grew up in Pennsylvania, and if it's legal and was brown, it was down. You know, it was that was my philosophy growing up. Because if you don't shoot that little spike, the next guy up the tree is going to shoot it. You know. Yeah, but we've. But, I'm, I'm uh, still in Pennsylvania. We've evolved a little bit since then, Paul. So. Oh yeah, yeah, you have. And I grew up near Mercer, Pennsylvania, up in the northwest area so they put antler restrictions on and they're pretty steep i think they're it's, three up or yeah like it's basically three and plus a brow time so plus a brow time yeah yeah, yeah. so, like four so we side. just sold my dad's farm a couple years ago and i let a lot of deer walk so it was a reprogramming when i you know first went out and had 150 class deer stand in front of me here in ohio i mean it doesn't happen all the time but when that when I started seeing I could actually get on trail camera some deer that were of age, you know, had some age on them and actually hunt that specific deer. I never conceived naming a deer in Pennsylvania, you know. <laughs> uh, but but anyhow, so you know, combining my love for helping the farmer get uh, get a better price and to see jobs created in, in in these areas because a farmer suddenly has dispendable disposable income and he can hire people he can keep people working and Christian I can tell you tons of stories about that but to combine that love with my hunting love the the background a little bit on coffee I want to say this because a lot of people don't I think they understand it. I just saw an Instagram post of somebody had a picture of Starbucks, the the mermaid on the Starbucks, and just talked about, can't wait to get out in the woods. And I find it so contradictory when I see something like that, because most 
I, maybe I shouldn't have said the name Starbucks, but but most Why coffee importers. I know. <laughs> yeah, most most coffee importers and coffee roasters. The cost. It's a very left coast, you know, West coast, very liberal. They're actually supporting organizations that are looking to shut down the very life that we love, you know, our second amendment and our hunting lifestyle. And, and I, and I, so I want to say that slowly, but it's, it's very accurate and I'm not big into boycotts or anything. And it's not a knee jerk thing, but I began a couple years ago saying, why shouldn't hunters have a coffee that fuels their hunt, that gets them up in the morning. It, when we're in camp, it's the first guy up putting the coffee on. I mean, it's it's an essential part of the of the wake up ritual and getting to this tree. Coffee, oh, and here we are buying even, it yeah. from most most providers of coffee are against the very lifestyle that we're about. And so I said, let's do something about it. And that's where I, we, uh, two of my brother-in-laws, three of us guys went together and really are trying to find the palate and the profile. And that's a cupping term for the coffee that's smooth, that is dark enough roasted that we enjoy the, the chocolatey notes, but has enough of the nuance of the coffee uh, acidic and there's a there's a flavor. It's not just burnt. But so we, we're we've worked on a coffee blend called Hunter, uh, Hunter's Blend Coffee, uh, Hunter's Blend Coffee that we think really most people like. And that's that's the conundrum with coffee, Christian, is people like what they like. You know, if they like pilot coffee off the truck stop, if that's what they like, we consume coffee just based on pleasure, not for nutrition, not for health, not for anything. But if you like cream and sugar in it, many of us do that because the coffee we've grown up with was so bitter. That's the only way to tame it. But that's a, it's an acquired taste. It's like your favorite beer. You know, you can't convince anybody something different if, well, it's not, if what they it's, like. So it's not just yeah. for pleasure, Paul. It's also for caffeine. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I always say yeah. that decaf coffee is kind of pointless. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. okay. So talk to me. I really want you to talk to me about two things. Okay. Talk to me about, go ahead, get your coffee roaster hat on. I can tell that you can get pretty deep into this stuff. Tell me about <laughs> all of the unique beans and roasting styles and flavors that go into this Hunter's Blend coffee. And then yeah. tell me about what you guys are doing with the proceeds from Hunter's Blend coffee to support hunters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, roasting is very complex. And some of the things I'm going to say here, uh, you know, you'd have to be roasting for 10, 15 years to kind of start understanding it. When I started roasting, I just thought I'd put it in a in the roasting machine, turn it on, dump it at a certain time. And that's that. But the reality is coffee is a lot like the grapes that produce wine. There's a I'm probably not saying this right, but a terrier or a a, a coffee is a product of the place on the mountain and the region in the world that it's grown. You could take the very same coffee variety planted in Ethiopia and planted in Costa Rica. It'll taste totally different. It's a product of the soil, the wind, the rain. So every year that product changes a little bit from the very same farm, same slope. Coffee, the higher up the mountain, the higher in altitude it's grown, the harder the bean, the more dense the bean. And in essence, the cherry, the fruit on the coffee tree, has matured much slower, and it creates a more sweeter, denser, higher quality coffee. And that's the kind of coffee, that's the coffee we're dealing with. The top 6% is specialty grade. And so I'm not even talking about low grown or or just commodity grade coffee. We're talking about a a Q grade or a quality grade coffee. This is coffee from like elk country elevations, people. This is good stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Nosebleed stuff. Yeah. But it's grown uh, two to 300 miles north and south of the equator around the earth on volcanic soil. So it's 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 grown specifically in a geographic region, which also are 
notorious, I should, maybe that's not the right word, but historically have been a lot of political unrest. There's been dictators, there's been earthquakes, tsunamis, you know, hurricanes. And so there's been a lot, there's a lot of poverty in these countries and coffee to buy it, uh, to buy it for the prices that, that may still make it an affordable luxury. There, there almost needs to be a loser. You know, there needs to be somebody that's, that's, being hurt by it. And, and so that's kind of the, the mission of our companies to do that differently. But you take coffee from Central America as a group, it, they're very lemon, very acidic and citrusy lemon notes. They're a little more fragile notes. You take coffee from Sumatra or Indonesia, um, they're more earthy, more chocolate, more dark essence and the same also with thai coffee thailand i import a couple containers a year of thailand coffee it's the thailand coffee it's got a very complex in other words there's a lot of brightness and acidity acidic but also dark earthy notes in it and we combine for the hunter's blend it's it's part thai coffee and part nicaraguan which is kind of a juicy citrusy notes. And those two together, what's interesting about blending coffee is that the attributes of each are still there, just mixed in. In other words, they don't like diminish or go away. They bring it, they add it to it. So so we take a prime, a, a mostly Nicaragua and add a really dark roast Thailand to it to deepen it, thicken it, give it good body. And most people love it when they drink it. And uh, but but you know there's some people that want a real light, almost bitter coffee because they put a lot of cream and sugar in it. And um, we tell people, you know, why don't you try a week of just drinking Hunter's Blend coffee and don't use cream and sugar? You may be surprised. You just kick yourself from that habit. And, and we we hear that often. You know, I can drink this without cream and sugar and I like it you guys sent me a couple bags of it and it's very good yeah great and uh, I do drink it and I I, I will continue to drink it and uh, I'll tell you what uh, it's it's good you know it's good to know that you're helping you know folks who are growing this coffee out so you're having you know a very real demonstrable impact in those communities where the coffee is being grown and um you said you could tell me you know a million stories about that i really would love to hear a million but we don't have time for a million yeah tell me tell me one of your favorite stories tell me one story about a, a grower a family a community whatever it is that really in your mind kind of exemplifies the kind of impact that you guys are able to have with something as simple as buying coffee six years ago in northern thailand a little community called doi chang it's north of of uh, Chiang Rai, for anybody that knows Northern Thailand. It's getting real close to the Burma, Burma border, South China. Six years ago, I went into that community because I heard I was invited. Uh, I was in Bangkok for the church organization I worked for, and a guy called me uh, and said, in pretty broken English, called me here in Ohio from Thailand and said, would you buy our coffee? And I said, well, it doesn't quite work that way. I need to get to know you. I need to cup the coffee. It needs to be really good coffee. Um, he said, yeah, this is the best coffee in the world. <laughs> I said, yeah, right. You know, I didn't say, yeah, right. But, but I thought, yeah, right. They all say that. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, in three months, I'm going to be in Bangkok. Let me come up and visit you. <laughs> And this was six years ago. I went into this, uh, he picked me up at the airport, went into this little village of Doi Chung. They're part of uh, a group of hill tribes. They're called the Aka. There's seven hill tribes. They don't have citizenship in Thailand. They typically grew opium. And I mean, I was on the back of a Jeep truck fly, flying up a mountain. And, and uh, I said, man, if my wife could see me now, you know, it was uh, pretty... <laughs> 
pretty wild. And it was almost dark. We got into this guy's little thatched living room house and coffee bag stacked to the roof. And so we took a sample, a little bit out of a bunch of the bags and took it into the village to a roaster and said, we'll be back in the morning. The next morning, we took the coffee and started, we ground it, got water boiling. And I was just thinking about how dirty and, and quiet this village was all night. I just didn't hear anybody. There was people kind of walking out on the streets and stuff, but it was just kind of depressed. And I, we, we drank the coffee. I was like, dude, this is really good coffee. And, uh, we established a price and I realized this was not going to be easy. How do I export out of Thailand? So I Skyped my wife from a little internet cafe in this town, this village. And I said, honey, I found some really good coffee. And, uh, how about we refinance our house and we buy this? And that's what we did. I, I use a lot of uh, friends. I have a whole network of financers put together, but this was really off. Off there's ten thousand pounds. Um, so you so what I didn't hang know. On, hang on, hang on. You put yep. your you put yourself into hawk for 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 ten thousand. Yeah, I pounds did. I had no plan, no plan B. That's right. I was in hawk. That's right. Okay. What I didn't just, know. Just was making sure we're all understanding the story here. Paul. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. So my house was on the line. My you know, and when my wife says, "Honey, whatever you think." I'm scared there because I need her to say, you're crazy, you know, or yeah, let's do it. But when she says, whatever you think, that puts the fear of God in me, man. I was like, oh man. Anyway, so we worked a deal, a price and worked on exporting it. What I didn't know was the reason why that village was so quiet and just depressed and dark was most of the women, most of the girls and the younger people were in Bangkok in the whole sex trade. Uh, today, I'm just telling you the good side of this now. We brought that coffee in. We sold it all. We now import regularly. I take all the coffee this guy can produce. He employs 80 women who most of them were sex trafficked. And today, full-time jobs, you go to the village. It's like a completely different community. There's flowers, flower pots. On, I'm just in my pick my mind right now. I'm just picturing it. There's flower pots in front of all the houses. There's kids running around. There's schools are the school is open. It's not this village only has two three hundred people. It's small, but it's a completely different community. All because viable jobs were created paying jobs. And when the women heard there's work at home, they came back to the village. And I mean, that's what excites me. It's the power of a job. And I wish our own communities here in the U.S. would get it. Uh, but when, when there's work, people will take that little bit of money they get, they got paid that Friday and go down to a little kiosk and buy some batteries. Now the guy that sold the batteries can buy some rice and beans. And now the rice and beans guy that sold that can get meat for his home. And the butcher now can buy an LP tank for his wife to cook on. And the guy, that guy can now buy tires. And what happens is that money just spins in that little village and everybody's lifted. And again, it's the power of, of a job. And we see this in Central America. I see it in Sumatra and Sulawesi, Bali, places we import from. And that, you know, Thailand is historically tea and opium, you know, poppy growing. Coffee has kind of been a latecomer just in the last 20 years. And so a lot of... A lot of people don't understand that Thailand grows really good coffee, and I had to learn that. And that was that was a lesson for me that those years. Well, that is an awesome story. But we do, is, but we yeah. do, Christian. Uh, we're we're working on a partnership with the NDA. They're based here out of Columbus, a National Beer Alliance, and uh, you know want to give back to this industry. Working also with Whitetails Unlimited. 
And then uh, before we had recorded, we had talked about Grant Woods and um, just a wonderful, a dear biologist and teach, you know, trains people how to steward their land and, and to, he calls it buffalo grass and, you know, grow low tillage uh, food plots and grow big deer growing deer tv and we're sponsoring some people like that well even ralph and vicky you know they're they're advocates of the sport and encouraging the next generation of bow hunters and, and hunters kind of broadly and uh that that's what that's what, kind of what we want to do is be uh kind of like defending hunting one cup at a time kind of a new line we're playing with because um we need to we need to band together so, so that's uh, when you say a new line. You mean a slogan or a new line? A whole new yeah. line of coffee. Yeah, no, just a slogan. You know, we we were saying awaken the hunt, but um, you can. I fell out of a tree in a, in a, in a with a rope, and, and that'll awaken your hunt. <laughs> a lot of ways to awaken your hunt, and uh, but with Hunter's Blend Coffee, we're, we're trying to defend hunting. And not not be getting our coffee from places that, that, that could care less about your hunting. In fact, I'd like to see it shut down. Yeah, so talk to me about some of the, you mentioned the NDA and Whitetails Unlimited. Tell me uh, some specific things well, those, that you those, guys are doing. Yeah, well, that's that's the two. Uh, we're working with NDA to sponsor. We'd like to. They're doing a, they haven't done much in the last few months with a coffee and, and what was they calling it? Coffee and deer. But we want to sponsor that particular podcast. Is it a pod, It's a vlog, actually. It's a video blog. Um, working with them on just the perimeters and pricing and things to be sponsored of that but we just send them cash right now whitetails unlimited same thing it's a good organization we support here in urbana ohio our local chapter and also partnering with safari club international of uh, making our products available for the club to for local chapters of the clubs to do fundraisers uh, it's a it's a contract you get into. You make it available at a really low price, so they can in turn resell it and uh, raise funds for the SCI. Sure, sure. That's just like just like all the pizza kits that my kids have to sell for exactly. soccer, except for something exactly. I can really use some good coffee. Yep. Yep. Uh, so yeah, you know what? And I should have asked this sooner, but maybe we we just didn't get to it, Paul. But. Okay, so, you know, we talked about sort of the fair trade aspect of this and how you're helping the growers. And, I, and you know, you're able to pay them, like you said, two, three times what they might have gotten uh, for their coffee through other channels and, and still do that, you know, at a cost that's economical for you as a, you know, a roaster and, and retailer, you know, or wholesaler here in the U.S. Um, so that kind of obviously begs the question for, for me as a consumer, you know, if I want to get a pound of, of Hunter's Blend coffee, uh, you know, do I have to pay a big premium to do that? You know, it's one thing to say, hey, I, I love your mission. I love what you're doing in the communities. I love what you're doing for, for hunting. But I don't want to pay, you know, double what I'm paying now for my coffee to do that. Um, right. You know, what's the right. cost of, of supporting all this greatness that uh, you guys are doing? Yeah. Uh, on our website, huntersblindcoffee.com is is a, kind of a listing of our products. And a 12-ounce pack, I think, is twelve fifty plus shipping. We encourage, you know, six, eight bags. We can get shipping way down per bag. We also have five-pound five options. And I think that brings it down more around $9, $10 a pound in a five pound bag of bulk rate. Uh, we're also encouraging listeners and Christian, it'd be great if Peterson Bow Hunting Radio listeners could encourage their local pro shop or archery shop to give us a shout from huntersblendcoffee.com website to become a wholesaler where we, we ship them a rack and signage and they can just pick it up there. Um, we found just locally here even that uh, we, we had one archery shop just say, you know, uh, we're slow right now, but people are still coming in and buying their coffee. 
<laughs> you know, they can get it here with no shipping, so they're coming in buying their coffee and maybe pick up an accessory or two, you know, that weren't planning on it. So uh, this historically is maybe a slow time in the archery shops. It, it's going to start cooking here, but it's all, and it's also a slower time for coffee. So, you know, if, if maybe by September, uh, local archery shops from listeners of yours want to put it on the shelf, that would be a little more economical. Uh, there would be no shipping. Well, the point for is, people. Really, it's not all that expensive to begin with, which is what I was getting. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it, I don't know what it costs. Paul, I'm totally with you on Starbucks, and I don't uh, drink their coffee, but uh, I think it's a little more expensive than, than twelve fifty a bag. Yeah, it's, it's about fourteen or fifteen bucks a bag. Yeah. So yeah. you know, my, wanna... my point is, guys, you know, if you're listening to this, if you if you're a coffee drinker, you know, why wouldn't you listen to everything that Paul talked about as far as the impact that they're having for the communities where they're buying from, and then. Um, you know, the support of the organizations that he talked about, you know, it's kind of a no brainer. Why wouldn't we get our coffee from you? You know, it's, it's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, I want to go back to one thing you said, uh, just because sometimes we use them interchangeably, these terms, fair trade. Um, there is a, there is these national, I'm going to almost call them social socialistic organizations called fair, fair trade certified. That's not what I do. I, I call what I do direct trade. We go right to the farmer. I put my feet under his table, look him in the eye. You know, what, what's diesel fuel costing you and try to figure out exactly what, what kind of money do they have in this coffee? And if they have a dollar 35 or a dollar 40 cost in it, and commodity is 80 cents a pound. Yes, I could go in and get some cheap coffee, just follow commodity. And I'd probably get the crappiest coffee they have to offer. But can you imagine what it's like for me as a buyer to come in and say, look, I'm paying 265 or 285 a pound. I want your best coffee. I don't want, you can sell at commodity all the crap. It doesn't matter if it's good, doesn't matter if it's bad, they're gonna pay you the same. And what's What's interesting is there is over a hundred verifiable steps that a farmer takes in pr producing beans ready to roast. Everything from how it's picked, how it's stored, how it's milled, how it's, it, it goes on and on and on. There's little, these, little, these steps that if any one of them goes wrong, you're gonna taste it in the cup. And why would a farmer go to all the bother to sort things out, keep everything from fermenting just a little, it's not bad, it's just a little, keep everything clean and go to all that bother to lose, he's gonna lose money anyhow. But when he's got a buyer at his gate saying, I'll pay you twice what you've ever seen, but I want good clean coffee, He, these guys aren't dumb, they're not lazy, they just, suddenly have a process or a route to dig out of debt. And I mean, I, I won't say the details, but here's another story. A farmer was getting ready to lose his family farm of 600 acres. We've worked together six years. He has the title of that farm in his hand today. He owns it. And I do three or four containers a year from him. It's the difference. It changed everything. And that's awesome. So we're direct trade and we go directly to the farmer and work a deal out that is beneficial for him. But it also, like you say, has, I can't, you know, pay $40 a pound and, you know, just crazy. It's got to work. Right. It's got to sell. I'll tell you what, you know, so, I, don't, I don't know if you've explored this, but I'm going to think that a natural tie-in for you would be to be uh, kind of in partnership with, with outfitters all across the country because they're all yeah. serving coffee every morning to their clients, right? And this is, an, yeah. this is a way for them to... Uh, they've got to buy coffee anyway, right? So that they could get from yeah, you yeah. and they could support the sport and, and, and the work that you guys are doing. And it also provide an outlet for you guys to be able to share your story with all those hunters who are coming in and out of camps. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, let me tell you the deal of the year. I'm glad you said that, Kristen, because we have a policy and we may not do it next year. (laughs) But if there's any outfitters or any hunters heading to, you know, New Mexico soon for their elk hunt in September, tell your outfitter. Uh, we'll send them five pound a five pound bag every month. Now it may not be enough to get it, their total clientele, but we'll send them free. And we just send it. All we ask is a stack of cards put somewhere where hunters that come in and out can can uh, grab it. I got a. We do that for Lee and Tiffany uh, in Lakowski down in Southern Iowa, and I got a note. You know that that. I mean, there's a lot of hunters, they want good coffee and they know the difference. And, uh, you know, it's like, I got a note from one time from an outfitter, from a hunter said the, the food was fantastic. Your coffee arrived a couple of days into their, I think it was a pheasant, a week of pheasant hunting in South Dakota. And this camp, we just sent their coffee. He said, the food was fantastic. The coffee was awful. And then two week, two days into the hunt, it all changed. You know, thank you so much, and I'm buying coffee. Yeah. So anyhow, that's a great, great idea. You guys yeah. saved the hunt. You saved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Defending and saving the hunt. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what. Thank now, you. now here's the real trick. Is, I mean, you know how the the bow companies and the broadhead companies and the deer urine companies, they all get those hero shots. You know, I, I shot that big buck with my, with my Matthews or my, my, yeah. uh, my wildlife research center, you know, scrape juice or, or whatever you have. You guys yeah. got to start getting those hero shots. You know, you get those people now, guys like me in the magazine or on TV, they're going to say, they're yeah. going to shoot those big bucks and they're going to look right in the camera. And they're going to say, I never would have been able to shoot that buck without my hunter's blend coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I thought, you know, that's that's great. We have to work on that. Couldn't have done it without my hunter's blend. Couldn't have, couldn't you know, have, I thought about... Or, or, yeah, this is what you gotta do. You gotta, like, Lee and Tiffany, they should be filling up their yeah. their uh, thermoses and stuff uh, with the hunter's yeah. blend, and when they're out on stand, they should be pulling that out and uh, let the steam come out, and they talk about how, you know, not only not only does this hunter's blend coffee keep me awake on the stand, but those that, that aroma, that draws in big bucks, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I would just love if if we could somehow try that somehow tie for real that coffee smell is, is an attractant you know to to bucks to deer unfortunately i think if we put some hunter's blend in dough urine you know and maybe drink that we could drink it on stand i don't drink coffee on my bow stand it's pretty close encounter Sport, but yeah. I do in my rifle stands. I have a thermos of coffee, and Lee and Tiffany actually probably have Mountain Dew. That's their drink of choice. But but in the deer camp, we we'd love to send coffee to outfitters for in their deer camps. You bet. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a it's an obvious uh, uh, fit. You know what I mean? And yeah. Mm. So, so tell me a little bit about your, your bow hunting, Paul. Uh, being in Ohio there, uh, I'm kind of wondering if you have a couple extra really good stands that you can't sit in all the time and you need some more friends to, to come and visit you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I've got some really good friends, uh, Jerry Everhart, you know, with the Hunt Fist Journal. And he's got this thing he calls rep functional hunting where you uh, – you set up a bunch of scrapes in a particular pattern. Um, you go with, you start a whole regiment of in September going in every 10 days and putting, uh, you know, dough and estrus into the, into the scents, into the scrapes. And you're getting this all, you're sending the message that there's a girlfriend around here. And that I bought into that. I mean, I real I do that religiously, and I do about three setups like that. And I put some trail. Ca- he doesn't like trail cameras, but I do because I want to know what's going on around these things. Um. So I yeah, but I can only hunt one. And then there's eight, Jerry's developed this thing with declining light, kind of the key days for for the seek and chase and and breeding stages, and. Um, 
also looked at research that if you're in your you're in your tree stand more than three times, you've actually burned it out. The chances of seeing deer the first time are the highest, and it's decreasing with every time until about the third time. Uh, they they kind of figure out something's there, and they they skirt it just enough that they're out of range. So you don't get into your stand until that key day when a buck is leaving nocturnal running and he, he runs during the day. And, but I usually set up three of them, uh, back about three years ago, I had three, two of them set up and one of them, I got bit by a, a brown recluse spider on my ankle. Now that's a whole different story, but I was nursing my leg back to health. And on the, the one stand I had, trail cameras shots of of a of a big big deer and so i decided on that key morning the first it was like november 3rd i'm going to be on that stand and i got up the tree before dawn and by nine o'clock my leg was throbbing so bad i had it elevated in a crotch in the tree and you know, I'm thinking, what would I even do if a deer showed up? I I am hurting so bad from this spider bite, and I was medicated and everything else. So, so I pulled my stuff together, let my yeah, yeah. So I let my bag down and started climbing down, and I I jumped that deer. He was coming into my stand, my scrape setup. I mean, he took he took off. That thing was huge, and I thought I will never see him again. But during the gun season, I just on a whim, four days into it, I went out to that stand and I shot him. He was 176 and 5'8", something like that. And he was a big deer. And I shot him with a 444. In Ohio, we can use pistol cartridges now, lever, lever action. But I would have had a shot at that with my bow if I wouldn't have had been bit by a brown recluse. Yeah. Oh, wow. I am too glad. First time I went to the doctor, he said, you got cellulitis, you know, just take this antibiotic and you'll be fine. I mean, two weeks later, I went back and I said, doctor, there's something going on. He looked at my leg and he's like... What in the world? He called all his girls and nurse practitioners in and said, you know, we get 10 people a week come in here and say they've been bit by a brown recluse spider, and they never have. This guy was. (laughs) That's what it looks like. And uh, so through a chain of events after that, I got good medicine and dried it right up, and I am fine today. That's good. <laughs> but yeah. And so, so you're, so big, got, you're a big believer in, in mock scrapes. I I really am, yeah, I really am. I, I think it's a, um, just kind of tapping into something that, you know, and I get myself right in the middle of them, so they're all around me, seven, eight, nine mock scrapes. I really, I do my scent elimination, you know, washing my stuff and spray down. I got my ozonics in the tree, but I've got dough urine all around me so heavy that my thinking is he's so focused on she is here somewhere. She is here somewhere that he's not, I don't play the wind and I don't care about the wind. Now, I just go to the... What's what's the name of this guy that you mentioned that kind of come up with this? Uh, Jerry Jerry Everhart at the Hunt Fish Journal podcast. Okay, uh, they're out of Southern Ohio, and Jerry he calls it rut functional. You can you can Google it, and he's got a whole like seven eight steps, and every one you know is important to you know your scent elimination. That's a big deal. The key knowing your key days. Don't get in the tree stand. You know, he, he calls it, have a tinker stand. Have another stand or two that you'll you go into the end of September and October to play around with. And I do that. And I've shot some really good bucks out of my tinker stand and never went to my red functional stand. So, Christian, maybe we need to talk. You can come out here and buy a buck tag over the counter, and I'll put you on one of my setups. Well, you know what's funny is I'm going to do you one better because I'm going to – 
I'm not going to horn in on your tree stand because I don't want to be I don't want to be that uninvited guest. But I tell you what I am going to do is I am going to hunt Ohio this year. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to hunt southern Ohio with uh, with my friends at Whitetail Heaven Outfitters. I've been hunting for a few years now uh, down in Kentucky. And of course, he also does hunts in Indiana and Ohio. And I've not hunted either of those other two states yet. I know he's got really good ground in both states. So I said to Tevis, I said, this year, I said, I think I'm going to hunt with you again, but I want to do Ohio. And he thought, he said, yep. He's like, you got to do Ohio, you know? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring some Hunter's Blend coffee to camp with me. There you go. And I am Give us a heads to, up, Christian. What's that? Give us a heads up before you go, and we'll ship it to you. Okay, I'll have you send it right to the north camp there for Whitetail Heaven. Sure. And, uh, so we'll serve Hunter's Blend, and I won't I won't hog up one of your stands, but maybe I'll get lucky <laughs> and uh, and get a good buck, and I'll be able to say, as as you know, we previously <laughs> discussed, I couldn't have yeah. done it without my Hunter's Blend coffee. Yeah, yeah. You, you probably got to say it in a way that. It actually is believable, you know. <laughs> well, let me try again. Folks, yeah. folks, I, I just I just really I just really want you to know I could not have made that shot without my hunter's blend coffee because you've got to be alert, you've got to see him coming and you've gotta you've gotta have those reflexes and instincts heightened for the moment. So I don't know. I, it's not really something yeah. unbelievable, Paul. But I you do know, need, I do need my coffee in the morning and hunting camp. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's probably um, I'm thinking about everything that it, when I when I pack for a hunt. I, you know, that's when you get ready to do that North Camp in Ohio with White Tail Heaven. Part of the fun, isn't it, Christian? Is just getting ready. You know, packing and getting everything together. And you think oh, well, about all the sighting. If if you're using bow all the time, you know, I'm shooting now. Oh yeah. I want my arrows right. I want my field. I want all these things right. But the last thing we think about sometimes are the very things that we're talking about right now. Those non-essential to actually killing deer, but they're very important to making the experience kind of all come together. And that's what coffee does. You know, it really is an essential part of the hunt. That's one thing about whitetail heaven. If you, if you've heard about those folks or if you've, you know, read any of the stuff I've done in the past, one thing you never have to worry about them is comfortable accommodations and really great food. So I think the hunter's blend coffee would go kind of fit real nicely in that whole uh, quote, non-essential package that they offer, you know, really really five star, you know, you guys would fit right into the mix there. See, I may uh, off, off the record, uh, message you for their contact information i may just send them i'll send them some coffee keep yeah. them keep yeah, them they, they definitely yeah. take a look at it and i could see them being you know kind of keyed and i could see a lot of outfitters like i said just being kind of yeah. keyed up about what you guys are doing because it's good on both ends right it's good it's good for yeah. everybody involved. Yeah. so listen buddy i'll tell you what i give you a lot of credit because we we talked a lot of coffee but but for you hardcore bow hunters who listen and stuck with us, and I know that's all of you, you got some you got a pretty good bow hunting tip there towards the end, and and Paul you know kind of revealed his bow hunting chops. It was pretty obvious to me, right? You're 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 serious about this stuff. I mean, Paul's a real bow hunter too. Yeah. He's not just a coffee connoisseur. And some of that scrape stuff, you guys who were paying attention, I'm sure you already hit the Google and you're getting your plan on how to make your sort of your scrape web or whatever it is and, and, and you know I might have to check that out myself yeah yeah, yeah. so and I'll tell you what else the other thing that you you hit on that is very very true and is becoming more obvious to me as the years go on hunting smarter instead of hunting harder is indeed absolutely yeah. uh, last yeah. year I killed I killed Four bucks, or let's see, Kentucky, uh, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, and Kansas. Yeah, I killed four bucks, and I hunted uh, one, two, three, four, probably hunted about six or seven days. 
to kill those four wow. bucks. But if you take if you take wow. South Dakota out of the equation, I hunted one day in Kansas, one day in Pennsylvania, and two days in Kentucky. So wow. <laughs> there is a lot to be said for like when the conditions are right and the stand is right, yeah. that's when you go and you maximize efficiency. And I'm, I mean, that yeah. is kind of crazy. I'm not saying I can do that every year. Right. Yeah. But, but I definitely, you know, like here, here at home in Pennsylvania, you know, hung a stand in July and didn't hunt it until like the 28th or 29th of October. And I sat in yeah. one morning killed my buck at 11, 11 a.m. Wow, the only wow. deer I saw that morning, you know, and he was cruising through all by himself. Yep. Uh, yep. That's, uh, something, yeah, that's something to be said for it. That's, that's the way I have to because, um, you know, we're busy in the company and, and I travel. I go to all these farms that we buy from. We we say we're walking with them. We're very much involved in in their lives, and and I travel a lot. I can't. I don't have three months to be out hunting, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are the same way. You know, it's. But if you need to, you know, if you can figure out when that sweet time is, uh, you go on Hunt Fish Journal's uh, website, and they have a. It costs like fifteen dollars, but you put your zip code in, and it will spit out the key days to be in the in the woods for your zip code. Well, I'm gonna do and, you one better. I mean, I, I'm gonna do you one better. Yeah. The November issue. I'm sorry. The October issue of yeah. Peterson's Bowhunting. We've got your there key you go. days to be in the woods, and uh, we've got go. we've got John Dudley's 2018 uh, Whitetail Calendar, and so he talks about those key days. He talks about moon yeah. phases, and he talks about the stages of the season from from early season right through the rut and the postseason and and so you know his big thing is you know you take your moon phases you take your stages of the season and what the deer are doing then and then you plug in your weather which obviously is always a factor and when you get when you get yeah. those days where those three things all line up that's going to be you know very very productive time so same thing maximizing you know your quality of your time in the field versus your quantity well paul listen Thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciated your time. I appreciated the opportunity to learn more about Hunter's Blend and what you guys are doing. Uh, a lot of good things uh, in the world and for the hunting community specifically. So obviously, I'm going to continue to drink your coffee. I'm going to wish you guys the best. I hope it continues to grow and expand. And you know, the impact that you guys are able to have would continue to expand as well. Hey, thanks, Christian. Thanks for having me on Peterson Bow Hunting Radio. You're kind of like a kind of a glue to this community of bow hunters. So appreciate what you're doing. I've listened to you. I only got two podcasts up, and you're one. Wow, that's awesome, man. I really appreciate it. God bless, and uh, I will see you soon. All right, take care, Christian. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bow Hunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bow hunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting on your local newsstand or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com.